0: Welcome to Experience This. The podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by
1: wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingus shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert,
0: Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business.
1: So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Woohoo! Join us as we discuss a new app that helps you see even if you can't why making and keeping your promises is key to a successful experience, and why dumping generic language may bring you closer to your customers. Seeing, guaranteeing, and personalizing. Oh, my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time we summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CXPress, where we read the articles so you don't need to. This week's
0: CXPress is titled, Starbucks Offers Ira, Creating Accessible Experience for Blind and Low Vision Customers. And it's from... Starbucks.com, you know
1: that that really high-end <laughs> media that, outlet. That regular that regular website you go to for oh you're breaking CX news. Starbucks.com. It,
0: exactly. Well, we actually just talked about accessibility recently in episode 130 with the accessibility software. And we also featured the Starbucks. DC signing store in episode 42 of season two. That's the one. Oh yeah, the one by Gallaudet. Yeah. Exactly. Now the coffee giant is partnering with San Diego based Ira Technology Corporation to connect blind and low vision people to trained visual interpreters who provide instant access to visual information through a third party smartphone app. Now the article tells the story of Susan Masri, now 58, who lost her vision at age 17 due to multiple sclerosis. If she could talk to her teenage self, the article details, she would say, quote, you'd be amazed at what technology can do, unquote. Mazrui says the app allows her to, quote, be like every other customer, unquote. Now we're gonna play the audio portion of a video that is embedded with this article. And I must admit, I got a little emotional watching it. You'll note that the voiceover also includes additional details from the video so that blind and low vision people can better understand what's going on.
2: Text appears over black. At Starbucks, we want everyone to feel included and welcome, including people who are blind and low vision. As a woman walks with a service dog, the distance to Starbucks decreases.
3: You've entered an IRA Access Network.
2: Text Upon entering an IRA Access Network, IRA Explorers can tap a button on their phone and connect to a trained IRA agent. On their phones, hands tap a blue circular logo with a white A in the center. Now calling an IRA agent.
1: Thank you for calling, IRA. This is Rihanna. How can I help you?
2: Somewhere around here, there should be a Starbucks. I'm just gonna get you to help me find it. Let's go to Starbucks.
1: Hi, Emily, I'm at Starbucks um, and I need
3: help getting to the front door and ordering. And the door should be on your left in about 20 feet. Is this Starbucks? It is, yeah. <gasps> All right. Yay, I made it. You're in luck, social distancing is easy tonight. You're the only customer in the store. There is a six feet separation stickers on the floor. And there is a barista and oh, a mask right. Right behind a sheet of plexiglass. glass. Do you know if there's anything new or seasonal on the menu? The pink drink, it's described as our crisp strawberry refreshers beverage.
1: And then, Emily, where is the pickup counter?
3: The pickup counter is okay. to our left in about okay. 20 feet or so. The drink is in the center. If you can your sure, hand Okay. On. And
1: oh, that's yep. it. Enjoy your pink drink, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. This is my first time with Ira, and this is really cool.
2: Text. Ira agent available 24 hours a day, who can see what they see. This unlocks a world that is not always accessible for all people. Ira offers a more accessible Starbucks experience for blind and low vision customers. Sealed Starbucks bags rest on a counter, and a customer scans their phone at the checkout. The smiling Ira agent takes off her headset as the woman she guided passes the glowing Starbucks sign. Logos appear on a white background: Ira and Starbucks. Dan,
1: I got to tell you, I I was getting a little choked up watching that as well. And you know, part of the reason why is I think. This IRA technology does such a great job of addressing a problem that, you know, frankly, I haven't experienced personally. But when I watch the video and I listen to that audio clip, I realize how many people don't have an experience that, frankly, I take for granted. And I'm not, I'm not proud of that. I'm sorry to admit that so bluntly. But I love this idea that we're starting to figure out ways to use technology to level the playing field when it comes to our customers' experiences. I totally agree. And I thought the same thing, Joey, that we take
0: vision for granted. There's no question. And I'm sure, uh, even though I don't know Susan Masri, she probably did too until she was 17 and she lost her vision. And that's when you realize how much... You take it for granted because it's just there every day. And I, to me, again, just being honest, this kind of introduced a new idea for me of what it's like to be blind or low vision and how... You might be walking down the street without anybody to help you or without a service animal or just by yourself and how difficult that could be to even, you know, you you heard in the video, just to find the front door of the restaurant to get into it. it is a challenge. And so what I loved about this is it's using existing technology. We've all used FaceTime. We've all used Zoom. So we know what it's like to dial up on the phone and have somebody answer on the other end to be able to see them. And now... This person is literally the eyes for the person that needs it and and can point them in the right direction and read menus for them and all this stuff. It's brilliant in its simplicity, but it also really to me, it brought me closer to sort of the issue at hand, which is, wow, that must have been really, really tough without this app. So Starbucks first tested the iris service in seven US cities early this year. Including, by the way, that D.C. signing store. woo I University. Like it. Now, it's proven to be helpful for customers navigating the protocols and physical changes implemented in stores during COVID-19 as well, such as social distancing. And you heard a little reference to that in the audio. Next up, Starbucks will offer new large print and Braille menus in all U.S.
1: and Canada stores by this summer. Emily McKinnon, a Starbucks program manager focused on implementing inclusive store designs, said this, quote, we're trying to keep accessibility in mind with every project. It's exciting work, and we have found that integrating inclusive design early into our processes can lead us to new innovation that benefits a wider range of customers. When you design with diversity in mind, it creates a better experience for everyone. You know, Dan, I loved this quote because we've reached the point where every business should be doing this. Every business should be thinking about accessibility with every product, with every, with every service offering, because when you do that, you inherently make the experience better, not only for those customers, but for every customer, because you're bringing more thoughtfulness, more consideration, more specificity to your rollouts and to the things you're trying to design. I completely
0: agree. And I mentioned something similar in that piece we did on accessibility. That was also my experience at Discover when I was involved with designing website enhancements. The more we focused on being accessible, the more we improved the digital experience for all of our customers. So no matter what business you're in, besides being the right thing to do, most of us can't afford to turn away any customers. And by designing with inclusivity in mind, We make the customer journey
1: better for everyone. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about, as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next book report.
0: Today's book report segment is about the guaranteed customer experience, how to win customers by keeping your promises by our friend Jeff Toyster. You may remember way back in season one, episode 14, that we covered his previous book, The Service Culture Handbook. Let's have the author, Jeff Toyster, introduce his book to our audience.
4: I shouldn't have to convince you about the value of customer experience. If you're listening to this, you already understand the value. The challenge that you face and customer experience leaders everywhere grapple with every day, How do we consistently deliver a great customer experience? In my new book, The Guaranteed Customer Experience, I walk you through a step-by-step guide where you can do just that. You can promise your customers an amazing experience and then deliver on that promise every time. The model works by using a very familiar guarantee, but we've modernized it for customer experience. And if you break down a guarantee, there's only three key parts. Step one, make a promise. Now, this is a promise that has value to a customer. It addresses a problem that they're trying to solve. A guarantee, by definition, is a promise that provides assurance. So this promise should assure customers that you will take care of their needs. And that promise is what brings customers in. Step two take action. It's not enough to say that you'll provide that great experience. You have to deliver it. That means having the systems, products, and processes to keep your promise each and every time. But step three, that's recovery. Because try as you might, there will be times when you, for whatever reason, are unable to keep your promises. And in those situations, trust can be broken. And that's why you need a recovery plan to restore confidence and restore your customers' trust that the next time around, you will take care of them. And using that framework of a guarantee, you can win and retain more customers than your competition. Now, I think this idea of
0: making and keeping promises is really interesting because of how I view customer experience. And as you know, I was a 20 year marketer in corporate America. I tend to look at CX through a marketing lens. And I think that what's interesting is that in recent years, marketing departments have really taken on the role of promising the customer experience to prospects and then having to make
1: sure that the rest of the company can actually deliver on those promises. Yeah. And that's not an easy task. You know, I'm reminded, Dan, of that famous tagline for Geico Insurance. 15 minutes can save you 15%. I mean, that's essentially two promises in one. You've got the fact that the application will only take 15 minutes and that the company can save you 15% off whatever you're currently paying to another insurance provider. Exactly. And though most companies' taglines may not be that direct
0: in their promises, their marketing is often subtly suggesting what the customer experience
1: will be like if you decide to do business with them. Hey, Dan, do you mind if I share my favorite passage from Jeff's book? Of course, my buddy. Go ahead. All righty. Well, in a chapter called The Power of a Promise, in a section called How Promises Help Employees, we have the following, and I quote, A promise can break down corporate silos and create tremendous clarity for employees. It can help them see beyond the individual task they have to complete and understand the bigger picture employees and customer-focused companies know the promises their companies make the customers and they know the role they play in upholding those promises, end quote. Now, Dan, I'm guessing you think that I love this quote because of the reference to silos and it's like a farm joke reference thing, you know, my- Wait, have have (laughs) you ever told that joke on the show? I don't think I have, you know, folks- uh (laughs) Okay, moving uh, on. And all right, I won't. If oh, do so you it, don't know what
0: we're talking about, go back listen and listen to like 10 other episodes. Yeah, exactly. No,
1: the thing I love about this is more and more folks in the customer experience space, and Jeff has understood this for many years, We're recognizing that employee experience and customer experience are two sides of the same coin. And if you want to deliver a remarkable customer experience, you have to have your employees Experiencing remarkable experiences themselves. And one way to give a remarkable experience to your employees is to be crystal clear that they know what the promise is that's being made externally and the role they play in delivering or upholding that promise. Now, what's interesting to me is that we also had the opportunity to talk to Jeff Toyster and get his favorite passage from the book. And it's an example of what happens when promises. Are broken. Here's Jeff telling his favorite passage from the book. Chelsea Howell was experiencing
4: a string of bad luck. First, she was laid off from her job. A short while later, she was involved in a minor traffic accident that damaged her car. An insurance claim covered the repairs, but a few days after getting her car back, she noticed a tire pressure warning light. Sure enough, one of the tires was leaking air, which made her worry about the cost of getting it fixed. I didn't have a lot of disposable income to replace a tire, said Howell. She brought her car back to the shop that had done the accident repair, hoping the tire could be fixed as part of the insurance claim. But the mechanic refused to help her, insisting that the tire had nothing to do with the accident. It was frustrating, said Howell. You're an auto repair shop. Couldn't you just take a look? It felt like all they cared about was dollars and cents. That's when she remembered a previous positive experience with a tire shop called Discount Tire. A repair technician examined the tire when she got to the store and was able to patch it and reset the warning light in just a few minutes. The best part was there was no charge for the service. It was a relief, said Howell. Why didn't I just go there first? After losing my job and getting into an accident, this was one less thing I had to worry about. You
0: know, I loved this passage, and it's funny because I too picked a passage about a broken promise. So let me get to mine, and here's the quote. In late 2009, Domino's Pizza offered mea culpa in a new advertising campaign. One video produced by the company shared blunt feedback from customer focus groups and surveys. Where's the love, asked one customer featured in the video. There doesn't feel like there's much love in Domino's Pizza. Another customer said, Domino's pizza crust to me is like cardboard. CEO Patrick Doyle directly addressed the feedback in that same video. You can either use negative comments to get you down, or you can use them to excite you and energize your process of making a better pizza. We did the latter. Now, I loved this because as astute listeners may know, and you
1: may remember, Joey, I am a former employee of Domino's Pizza. You are. I do remember at one point, didn't you deliver a pizza to the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Jordan? I sure did. I well, sure more did. More than one occasion, actually, and as I recall. I went to his house twice,
0: but only, but he answered only once. Okay, okay. And uh, But yes, I worked at Domino's for, I don't know, four, maybe three, four years, and then I'd come back at, you know, over college breaks and work for a few weeks. So I, I really uh, loved that role, loved the job. And... I will tell you, first of all, the pizza now, if you haven't had Domino's Pizza in a long time, it is way better than you remember it. It's way better. I had
1: Domino's for the first time in probably years, a few weeks ago. And it was, I I actually, a true confession here. I double checked. I was like, "Is this really Domino's?" Because like it was on the. My wife was kind enough to already put it on the plate. Uh, my brother had brought pizza over to the house from Domino's, and I was like, "Is this really Domino's?" Or are you guys kind of pulling my leg? It was actually quite tasty. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely much better than it was. And
0: I and what I love about this is that the brand figured out that there was a core problem with its product, and it wasn't afraid. To face it, it wasn't afraid to look it in the eye and say, how are we going to fix this? And, you know, Domino's has been an incredibly successful company since 2009 in no, in, in no small part due to the fact that the CEO was willing to get out there. And as Jeff said, offer a mea culpa. So I absolutely loved that example. There are plenty more where that came from in the guaranteed customer experience. How to win customers by keeping your promises. Check it out. It's by our friend, Jeff Toyster. We promise that you'll love it.
1: Almost everyone has interacted with chatbots, but all too often, it's been a bad experience. In Mythbusters, presented by Solve, We explore a common myth about CX chatbots and see how the right technology can create a positive experience every time. Today's myth about chatbots?
0: Chatbots are expensive and not worth the investment. There are lots of chatbots and automation solutions on the market today that are offered at a wide variety of price points. You might initially think that some of the leading chatbot companies on the market are a bit too expensive and not worth the upfront investment. You might even be considering building a bot yourself
1: versus buying from an established vendor as a way to save a bit in the short run. Now, the reality is that the right next-gen chatbot is a great investment with fast ROI. A next-gen chatbot can be deployed in days and start delivering strong results from day one. Now, while the cost might be a bit higher up front, the speed at which it can be rolled out and the effectiveness of the support provided mean you start saving immediately and can see positive ROI in just a couple of months. By contrast, less expensive bots and those do-it-yourself efforts require engineering resources and possibly even outside consultants to implement, which adds up quickly. Once you've launched a next-gen chatbot, you won't require much maintenance at all, unlike legacy chatbots that need constant monitoring and updates and often a dedicated resource to manage all of this. That's the classic case of spending a little more upfront, Joey, to
0: get lots more value down the road and not have to break any
1: promises
0: to customers. (laughs) I
1: see what you did there, Dan. Well, that's another myth busted. Thanks to our friends and podcast supporters at Solvy, the next-gen chatbot. Learn more about them at Solvy, that's S-O-L-V-V-Y dot com. Have you ever found yourself saying, I wonder what Dan and Joey would think about this situation? Well, guess what? Now you can know. Just tag us on social or message us through our website with a customer experience scenario, a question, or anything else you're curious about. And you'll get to hear our answers when you ask us anything.
0: We introduced a new segment this season called Ask Us Anything. And it's so great that people have been asking.
1: Right? They ask, we answer. That's how it goes, Dan, right?
0: Ah, Yep, our friend Marcus Sheridan would be very proud of you for saying that, Joey. So we recently received some feedback on a recent segment, as well as a question from listener Lisa Sedlak. She commented on the segment that we did on the clothing models at Stellar
1: Equipment. Ah, yes, that's the one where they show the sizing and the heights of the models and name them as well. Indeed, that's the one. Let's hear what Lisa had to say
0: about that, as well as the question she had for Ask Us Anything.
3: Hi, Dan and Joey. I was laughing during episode 123, where Joey talked about the stellar equipment ad where the model's name and size were shown. Two women's retailers, ModCloth and Torrid, have been doing this for years. On ModCloth's website, they show the model, her size and height, but they also show the clothing on thinner and larger women. For us larger folks, this is very helpful. They also encourage customers to share photo reviews with their sizes. Even though ModCloth can be pricey, I shop there because I can see from the images how the item will look on me before buying. And because of this, I have yet to return any items to ModCloth or Torrid. Now for a question. Have y'all ever covered the importance of personalizing responses to customers in a regulated industry, like in finance? I have been debating with others about the importance of using you in a response to a customer instead of using the generic user or customer. Thanks a lot, guys. Lisa from Blacksburg.
0: So, Joey, we have indeed touched on personalization before, but Lisa's question is quite specific. Do you have any thoughts? Oh
1: my friend, do I have any thoughts? It was a, it was a loaded question. Yes, yeah, exactly. No, and I and I think this is gonna be an interesting one because you come at this from your experiences. And I'll let you share kind of the background and and kind of how you come to this perspective. I come at this from the perspective of a lawyer, or at least a recovering lawyer. And and, 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 it, and you were you worked in government too. So and I did work y- in government understand as well. The regulation so, part. so I say the regulation part. And here's the thing, and I say this respectfully to my friends, my colleagues, all those people working in regulated industries. All too often, in my experience, that is an excuse for poor customer experience. I'm sorry. it, it we Oh, we've got these rules and these regulations. I get it. But that doesn't mean you can't personalize the communication. Now, here's the thing. Different people define the word personalization in different ways. It doesn't necessarily mean using their name. It doesn't necessarily mean talking specifically about their scenario. But what we can do is bring a certain piece of levity or a certain feeling of familiarity or connection to our communications in a way that makes them feel hyper-personalized and still in compliance with any regulations that may be involved in our communications.
0: So I think you're spot on. And as you know, I worked in financial services for 14 years. And so I'm all too familiar with all of the regulations and the privacy rules and all this stuff. And you're absolutely right that companies hide behind the regulations as a excuse for delivering subpar experiences. But I want to actually dissect Lisa's question a little bit further because she did specifically mention using the word you. So I want to look at this from a grammar
1: perspective because I'm a little bit of a grammar nerd. Uh, yes, Dan, and I hear the apple hasn't fallen that far from the tree on this one, has it? Uh, no, actually, it
0: doesn't. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Joey is, of course, talking about my father, who, bless his heart, has listened to every single episode of Experience This, but always, and I mean always, lets me know if either one of us makes a grammatical error.
1: And let's be honest, Mr. Genghis, it's usually me. Dan is usually the one going, uh, yeah, you're going to want to do a retake on that because you just flubbed up the grammar. And the good news is, as if I didn't have enough grammatical love from my friend Dan. I get it from my amazing wife, Barrett, who is also, I refer to her sometimes as Madame Grammarian, (laughs) like the Madame Librarian. Uh, Yeah, no, I could do much better with the language, but I'll let you get back to the grammar, Dan.
0: Well, but first of all... your wife and my father are going to tell you that what you should have said is, it is usually I. <laughs> it's usually me. <laughs> you know, like so, I like
1: set up. That was nicely done. That was that nicely was, done. Good was catch. Say, That was not scripted, people. That was, that was, that was <laughs> my plan to see if I could catch Dan, and he caught me. Good job, Dan. Anyway, let's get back to some grammar here. So she mentions the word you. And you is, of
0: course, a pronoun, which by definition is going to be more personal than a generic noun like customer or user or client. So that's the grammar part, grammar lesson over. But I think in addition to that, we have to realize that customers themselves don't think of themselves as users or clients. But if I say, hey, you. Yeah, Dan? Thank you, my friend, for proving my point. You see, folks, when you work together, as long as Joey and I have, you start to finish each other's sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> something like that, Joey. Something like that. Personalizing down to the customer's name is obviously a step ahead of you, in my opinion. And even better, is allowing the customer to tell you what they want to be called. For example, I may apply for a credit card with the name Daniel because it's my legal name, but I'd much prefer it if the online account center
1: referred to me as Dan. I, I think you can relate, C. Joseph Coleman? Uh, yes, I can. And for those of you that don't know, that is my full legal name Dan was giving, or at least a good portion of my full legal name, since it's C. Joseph Coleman Third. You know, one point that I'd like to share here. One story I'd like to share is this type of personalization, this type of paying attention to what your customers want to be called can have direct impact on your bottom line. I'm going to roll the clock back to when I am applying to law schools. So I'm in my senior year of college. I applied to 13 law schools around the country. And thankfully, I got a number of acceptance letters, not all of them, but several. And so I had some decisions to make. And the thing that sealed the deal that made me attend George Washington University Law School in Washington, D.C., is the acceptance letter said, Dear Joey. Now, what you, our listeners, know is that I go by Joey. But at that point in my life, I was going by Joey. But on these type of forms, you had to fill out your full legal name, which is Charles Joseph Coleman III. And many of the other acceptance letters said, Dear Charles. But the applications also had an area where you could put preferred nickname, and I always wrote in Joey. GW was one of the only schools that referred to me by my preferred name. That's why I went there. And While we don't want to get too specific necessarily because it might make me sick, uh, talking about the cost of attending a top law school for three years, that had a direct bottom-line implication on their acceptance rate and my willingness to go there because they called me by my name. Folks,
0: if you're going to have a section... On your application, that's his preferred name. (laughs) You might as well use it (laughs) when people fill it in, right? I I mean, just a little hint. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your feedback and for your question. We're going to send you out some signed copies of our books as a thank you. And if you have a question you'd like answered in the next Ask Us Anything segment, just go to www.experiencethisshow.com. Click on contact and leave us a voice message like Lisa did. And we will tell your story and answer your question on a future episode.
1: Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show. Yay, you!
0: We're curious, was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts.
1: And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do... Don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience
3: Yes.